You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. What a game today. On Sunday afternoon, the Miami Heat were hosting the Brooklyn Nets, a back-and-forth occasion, but over the last 34 seconds of the game, Miami had the bigger star. Brooklyn, of course, known for having their big three. Most of their big three was unfortunately on the injured list. But for Miami, it didn't matter. They were without their own superstar, Jimmy Butler, but they had Bam Adebayo, and that was all the difference. Bam Adebayo collected a foul with 31 seconds left in the game, then switched on to Kyrie Irving, forcing him into a 30-foot shot that he had rimmed out. I think it might have actually missed everything, but it didn't matter. After bringing the ball up, then they call a timeout. Isolation with Bam Adebayo, about 10 seconds left in the game after inbounding the play. He's got Jeff Green on him, sizes him up, shakes everybody off. Bam Adebayo waves everybody off. No screen, no help, no nothing. Looks at Jeff Green, decides he's going to take the shot. Tied 107-107. Makes a move, dribbles left, spins baseline. Nothing but net. What a beautiful shot and end to the game to give a Miami a 109-107 victory over the Brooklyn Nets, probably following, following their lowest point in the season, a, uh, a bad loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday. Miami comes back and answers with possibly their most exciting win of the season. Look, it, you could take away whatever you want to that James Harden wasn't in the lineup that Kevin Durant left early in the first half after suffering a knee contusion uh, from you know bumping into Trevor Ariza. But the point stands that Brooklyn is a pretty solid team. Miami was without Jimmy, and they still held their own. And bam, knocked in the game winner. When fans were slowly increasing in the America Airlines Arena, or for now still the America Airlines Arena, it was an electric just atmosphere. It really felt like a lot like last season when Miami was just coming through in the clutch, finding ways to win. And that wasn't the case. Look, I mean, a lot of people were frustrated about this team early on. But what a game winner from Bam, who took some heat from Jimmy Butler, no pun intended, following the Minnesota loss. Called out a little bit, wanting to see Bam play a little bit more bully ball. Uh, calling this team soft, not exactly knowing what version of this team was going to show up from a, a game-to-day game basis. And look, he's not wrong. Jimmy's comments were spot on. I didn't recap Friday's game because, look, it was Friday night. It was late. It was a bad loss. Nobody wanted to hear that stuff. I, I, I apologize. I, I Look, I, I should be recapping every game, and I know it. But I also know that a lot of you aren't going to want to tune in to find out why I'm so upset about a loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves or why it's my, maybe not such a low point in the season. Either way, I try to spin it. But for now, it doesn't matter. Friday's game is over. That's in the rearview mirror, baby. Right now, we're moving forward. We got the Brooklyn Nets. We beat the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, there's another game on Monday, but who cares? For now, it's a big win over Brooklyn. A good, good, good game. Let me tell you, I, I really... There were low points. There were high points, mostly high points. And it starts off with Bam and Abayo. I mean, how could it not? Uh, after being asked by Heat fans and Heat Twitter and uh, Jimmy Butler specifically, to find a way to be more aggressive, Bam answered the call. 33 minutes of play, 9 to 16 from the floor, 3 of 5 from the free throw line, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 21 points. Team high, 
No, sorry. He was short. Second to Goran Dragic, but a, a plus nine in the plus minus rating. Overall, a very good, impactful game. Maybe not as aggressive as you still would like for him, but it came down to the last shot. He was willing to take it. I feel like this is such a huge thing. I, I know when you look at Bam's career as a rookie on the teams that he played with, you know, playing alongside Josh Richardson or Deion Waiters or certainly Hassan Whiteside or, or much later on, even Dwayne Wade. And of course, last year, Jimmy Butler. Bam was never going to be expected to take the last minute shot. But without Jimmy in the lineup, there he was calling for the ball, waving away. I can't get past it. What a moment for Bam's career. Like, I don't know if it's going to signify anything other than just a nice win on a Sunday in the, in the middle of the season. But for him to be willing to take that shot, to hit that shot over a pretty solid defender in Jeff Green, too. I mean, I think Green is actually at least as tall and maybe a little taller than Bam is listed. So... It's not exactly like he's taking over, you know, he didn't get past Blake Griffin, who's a little bit slower, or even DeAndre Jordan, who's not as quick. It was a good, solid matchup. Green wanted that matchup against Bam. He got it, and he wasn't able to keep Bam from, from knocking down the game winner. So huge performance from Adebayo. Maybe a, a tad shy of your expectations for him, but overall still a really solid game. And as for the game itself, I mean, Miami, without Jimmy... Not exactly looking rudderless, but not quite as smooth as they normally do or during their best moments, let's say, because obviously this team has been somewhat inconsistent offensively. They were solid defensively, giving up, unfortunately, 30 points. Yeah, a career high to Landry Shamit. The trend that seems to be the theme for this season is giving up uh, you know, a career high to shooters from the perimeter, and, and Shamit was no different. 7 of 12 from, from three-point range. Unbelievable performance from him. And those were, look, he got hot. He's a pretty solid shooter, but Nets fans will tell you, I don't know what version of Shamit this is because they didn't see him. They, they will probably lament that they wasted, quote-unquote, wasted a 30-point performance from Shamit, even though uh, they were missing you know James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant for most of the game. He only wound up playing four minutes. And then uh, midway through the first quarter, took a knee, like I said earlier, from Ariza. And uh, as a precautionary move, best for him to sit out. He was still in, in, in clothes, street clothes along the sidelines there and, and watching the team lose. So, But Shamit, a 30-point 30, you know, 30 game for him, uh, torching Miami all night. And some of those, again, he got hot early on. But towards the end of the game, he was brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Just knocking down shots from the corner. He had six points in consecutive play, uh, consecutive possessions there. And that was really the difference maker because for Miami, they wound up being in a six-point deficit with about three and a half minutes left. It was 107-101 at that point. And Miami held the Brooklyn Nets scoreless for the last three and a half minutes of the game. Unbelievable. And they were, you know, they were the difference maker. They wound up scoring the next eight points to take the game. And and that was a phenomenal finish for Miami to do so without Jimmy Butler uh I, I really think it's a big win for them like an emotional victory because again there was the fans it was a Sunday afternoon yes it's the Nets who are competing for the top seed in the Eastern Conference yes they were without a couple of their best players but you know Miami is still looking for moral victories at this point because they need something a spark something to kind of remind them of what they're fighting for this year if you look at that Minnesota game and you look at what happened to them, that they fell apart, that they gave up, that they squandered an opportunity to knock off the worst team in the NBA, this is kind of the flip side of that. Without Jimmy there 
to find a purpose, to find energy, to get just a boost from other players that you don't expect because Jimmy is not going to be there to you know strap you onto his cape and pull you away from a, a you know a sure defeat. This was a good, encouraging victory. I don't know that it'll mean anything in the long term, but for now, who cares? Right now, it's all about the glow. Like, that was as exciting. I, I, know, I know I've talked many times about not really being emotionally invested in the game at this point, but I have to say, I did uh, I did clap and yell rather loudly at, at the finish of that game. So, that was exciting. And also, to do so in front of the arena, too. Like, and with all the fans there, like, bam, smoke, speak after the game, about how much it meant to be there, the arena, playing the heat is on. It felt like old times for at least one afternoon. So that was a, an interesting afternoon. Good game for him. And look, there's more to get into about the, the game itself and some key performances from some players and some players that unfortunately have not quite stepped up to the challenge. But overall, a great game. I'm not sure if it's a turning point. Miami has a huge week ahead of them. Five games and seven nights. They got a game on Sunday, another on Monday, then again on Wednesday, and then a back-to-back -back set to close off the week. That's a brutal stretch for them. So things are not going to get easier from here on out. But hopefully they'll find a way to build off this. They got Houston on Monday, and then San Antonio on Wednesday, Atlanta on Friday before uh, you know taking on the Chicago Bulls here at home on Saturday. So a good week, a busy week a potentially defining week, and they might be without Jimmy Butler for at least a few of those games. So it'll be interesting to see Kaylee Olenek back here in Miami for one night and uh, and and take it from there. You know, obviously uh, the Rockets have not been winning a lot, but uh, I think Olenek will probably have some point to prove. We'll see what happens when he goes up against Bam and Abayo. Then hopefully they'll be able to uh, find a way to limit Olenek from torching this team. But for now, a good victory. Move on from that. And uh, one thing that you should also keep in mind is that if you are a hiring expert for your company and what you really need is to make your shortlist of quality candidates, you need a hiring partner who makes your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post screen and interview all in Indeed. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. It makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easier. If you're hiring, trust me, you need Indeed. I used it. I thought it was fantastic. It made things so much easier. Found just the candidates that I was looking for for the job that I was filling. And it was such a great pleasure to be able to... Look, I don't like that process because I know how important it is for people to find a job. But with with Indeed, you're finding the right candidates that fit your qualifications, get a chance to meet them, and, and it just gets it done so much more quickly. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, that's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And when you're done with that, just grab yourself a little snack because you've you're, you know, had a full day. You're done hiring people. You've gone through all these resumes. Indeed has made your job easier. So indulge with a little treat. Grab yourself a Built Bar because you don't even know you're eating the most delicious protein bar out on the market because it doesn't even taste like a protein bar. It tastes like the most delicious candy bar you've ever had. All 18 amazing flavors covered in 100% chocolate. You won't even know you're eating a protein bar. So many different flavors to choose from you can build your own box to try this one or that one mix and match get them all you need and get all the nutrients you need that you while you're at it they're all low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber they're great for all sorts of diets and best of all if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lock 15 you'll get 15 percent off your next order so use the promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com
get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Rakowski updates you on the latest news at every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. I want to talk about Bam a little bit more, but I, I don't know what else there is to say. I, I feel like the pendulum keeps swinging on him from game to game. Is he great? Is he fantastic? Is he you know not aggressive? Is he just fine? I tend to veer towards the middle ground on most things, but certainly even when in my evaluation of Bam, I, I feel like this was a step in the right direction. I don't know that Bam will ever be 30-plus point per game, guy who takes 15 shots per game, guy who is aggressively looking for his shot. I just feel like that's not who he is hardwired to be. The fact that he took 16 field goal attempts, probably pretty encouraging. You know, Kendrick Dunn, not ever shy, took 13 field goal attempts in 29 minutes. So, you know, Bam's 33 minutes only yielded three more attempts from him as arguably their team, their best player, not arguably, their team's best player. So I, I think that just goes to show you what Bam's mentality is on a night-to-night basis. But overall, a solid performance from him and, you know, that he does so much else so well and so effectively – I feel like maybe our expectations are a little off. I, I know the Minnesota game was a tough one. And even longtime allies, supporters, fans, whatever you want to call yourselves, turned on Bam because he was just not aggressive enough. Because even Jimmy turned on Bam to some degree. It kind of added fuel to a fire that's been slowly burning all season long. Oh, why isn't he aggressive? Why isn't he aggressive? And then all of a sudden, Jimmy you know, adds a little gasoline on there and says, you know what, Bam, you know, Bam's got to be more aggressive. And, and everybody kind of ran with it. Next thing you know, it's uh, the pitchforks and torches as you're storming the castle and trying to take Bam down. I just... I'm just not there yet. I can't I, I know that I'd like him to be more aggressive on occasions. I just feel like you know, on those occasions when he's quote unquote not aggressive, I think he's still doing the things that make him so good, which is finding others, trying to get into the rhythm of the offense, trying to incorporate other players because it was crucial. Like in tonight's game, to this afternoon's game, excuse me, without Bam's five assists, I, I don't know if Miami has a chance to win this, like he's trying to get other players going, like he got help get Trevor Ariza going, he helped get Kendrick Nunn and Duncan. Yeah, that's such a big part of Miami's offense. How do you take that? How do you balance when you can take that aspect of your game away and when you have to be aggressive? And I know it's easy to kind of ball watch and say, well, just look at the rim, look to score. But he's also looking at 18 different things going on within the course of one possession. And sometimes, that leads to an Andre Iguodala corner three. Sometimes it leads to a, a cutting Duncan Robinson. Sometimes it leads to Goran Dragic. But I feel like there's a balance there that he tries to strike on a daily basis. And sometimes it's not satisfying enough for all of us watching the game because you know that he's capable of more. And that's I think that should be undisputed. Like you look at his talent level, his skill set, his work ethic, and everything else he can do, all of the praise, all the accolades, and hell, even all of the money is certainly deserving. You just have to readjust your expectations for what a max level player can be. And so for him, even though he's getting paid like, you know, a Bradley Beal type player, he's not going to give you Bradley Beal type production. He's a different kind of player in today's NBA. Maybe you can make that same case for like Golden State fans and, and you know, if they have any complaints about Draymond Green, but I think he certainly has contributed to some winning ways there. They just happen to have two very, very good shooters and arguably the best scorer in NBA history and Kevin Durant along there too. So, I mean, look, Draymond is a great player. I think he's a Hall of Fame player. I think he's deserving of all the accolades and all the money as well. 
but you take him away from a system that has Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, and he's probably not as effective, and you could probably make the same case for Bam Adebayo. But I think Bam is a much better player, so I, I don't have to worry about that comparison necessarily. But uh, one thing I do want to move on to is Goran Dragic. Great game from him. Uh, 31 minutes, which, again, in and of itself is an encouraging sign for him. Not hot shooting from the field, 6 of 16 overall, just 33% from three-point range, but it seemed like every one of those shots was crucial for uh, the Dragon uh, and for Miami. Eight rebounds. Uh, just finding a way. Like, there was a play there, and I can't recall exactly when it was, but it felt like Goran was in traffic on a Brooklyn possession. They put up a shot, and somehow it was Dragic that came away with a rebound. and, and Or even, a, I think, on an offensive rebound that he pulled down. He did pull down a couple offensive rebounds. And it was just like those moments where you see Goran, you know, not particularly mobile, older than almost anybody else on the floor. And somehow still able to pull down those bar, those those rebounds. That is sheer will. That is just I I don't want to let this team lose. I want to do what we can to carry this. And look, I don't. It's not going to be sustainable. I have to hedge my bets and unfortunately, uh, you know, just dissuade you a little bit from being too encouraged about this because that's just my job. You know, I have to be honest and forthcoming about what I see on the floor. And for me, I don't think that we're going to get these kind of performances regularly. I don't think we're going to get bubble gone anytime soon. But I just, I'm just so encouraged by seeing those moments where he can still be productive because there have been some rough patches there over the last few weeks where this has not been the best of Goran. And for him to have a nice, solid shooting night of 18 points, to get to the line, to be able to create six assists. Like, when was the last time we had a six-assist game from Goran Dragic? I mean, that, that just feels like an aberration. Six assists from Tyler Hero, too, but from Goran? I mean... That, that was they were moving the ball around. Only 38 made field goals, but they had 26 assists on those. So that's a pretty phenomenal performance from them. You know, kudos to Brooklyn for doing a lot of the same. It was a really good, solid game. Like even without the star talent being missing there, I really think that it was a good back and forth affair. And, and to see Goran have a big game where he was driving to the hoop, able to take away. You know, he had a great coast to coast play late in the game where he pulled down the rebound and just seemed to get past everybody. Again, sheer willpower. I can't. I can't think of any other way to describe it. To me, this is not a player that we've seen over the last couple of weeks where he struggled to move, where he hasn't had that quick step. Maybe it's just taking a day off. I don't know. I can't see how much he's going to play over the next week because you don't want the wheels to fall off. Like I hope he takes Monday off. I don't know who steps up in his absence. Somebody has to do it. Somebody's got to figure it out because it's not going to be – I don't think Jimmy's going to play on Monday either. So if that's the case, you're going to be without Goran, without Jimmy. You can't push Goran to two games in a row. We already saw that last week on, on, on against Phoenix and Denver where he didn't play the second game. So I would not imagine that he'll be available on Monday. And that's okay. Maybe he was leaving it out on the floor. Maybe that's a maybe that was a recognition on his part as a veteran saying, look, I know I've got tomorrow off. I'm not going to play again until Wednesday. Let me go, you know, pardon my French, balls to the wall and just go as, as – as, you know, intensely as I possibly can. Phenomenal performance for him. Good night from Duncan. Not exactly impactful. You know what? I, I'm not, I don't even want to talk about Duncan today. Not because it's any fault of his. I think he actually was active and doing everything he can, even when he was not aggressively looking for his three-point shot. Had three of eight fall down for him for the perimeter, but still overall just a solid game. Uh, only played, well, he played 34 minutes. But more importantly, I think Trevor Ariza, Stepping up really, really big. I, I've talked about it before, but I, I think he's just much more comfortable at this point in the offense. He's cutting. He's understanding his role. At his age, to be playing 35 minutes and looking effective and aggressive, I mean, nine rebounds from him, 
five of nine from the floor, three of six from three-point range. He had that corner uh, kind of in between the corner and the wing three going down early, and he, he was a huge difference maker in that first quarter. And, uh, you know, I think he it just kind of carried throughout the game defensively. He was switchable. It's a good lineup with him. I don't – I have to have concerns about the uh, sustainability of it because I just – you know, he's, a, he's aged and – I don't know how reliable it's going to be, but having him, Bam, maybe Dwayne Dedman, maybe Andre Iguodala, that's that's a pretty good lineup out there. You know, we're all forgetting Victor Oladipo, and I should add that there have been some reports, some indication that maybe Victor comes back this season. I'm all for it. I can't confirm or deny it. I haven't talked to Victor, so I don't know for certain whether or not that's going to be the case. But from everything that we're starting to see, I guess there's reason for optimism, and that's that's the best news you could possibly get on top of a big win over the Brooklyn Nets. If you can get Brook, I mean, sorry, if you can get Oladipo back at some point in the next couple of weeks for the, uh, the tough rough stretch to end the regular season. Well, that's, that's a, a win like any other, uh, unlike any other. So a uh, good thing from him, good thing for the team. Good thing for all of us and all of you. Uh, let's, I, I want to talk about Dwayne Dedman because he did get 15 minutes of play and wound up having 10 points. I don't know if I'm coming around. I know that I've come across as somewhat negative because here we are in 2021 and depending on Dwayne Dedman to be an impactful player. But maybe maybe it's about the fit here, right? Like, you know, you, you go to a different team and Dwayne, well, I mean, look, look what happened last year with Atlanta and Sacramento. Dwayne Dedman was not a good player. Can he give you good minutes on occasion? Sure. But I think when you look at this team and you look at the balance of the roster, you look at the, the flow that's out there, and you look at play, players that are able to execute or drive the ball or create plays for others or you know shoot from the perimeter you're not asking you're not asking Dwayne to take three pointers he didn't like i, I thought this was going to be much more of a, a chucker kind of player where he was going to look for, to take shots from the perimeter that's not his role he's asked to rebound he pulled down 10 boards in 15 minutes only had one field goal attempt connected it but got eight free throw attempts and knocked them all down that is freaking huge. What a solid game from him. And I think he can be a difference maker to some degree. Now, I think there's a, a big point that I'll talk about a little bit in the next segment, but I, I think Deadman is probably your best center option because the reality might be that Bam just might not be a, a reliable center in today's league because we're, we're starting to see more and more of an evolution where even big men, seven-footers, uh, can balance having an outside shot along with their ability to get to the rim. Look at Nikola Jokic. I mean, look at Nikola Vucevic. Those are legit seven-footers that can shoot 40% from three. That's tough to guard for anybody and certainly for, I mean, Joel Embiid. That's that's a, a nightmare matchup because of his shooting ability. Not quite as as uh, accurate as Jokic or Vucevic, but you know, with his range of skills, his ability to get to the rim and, and, and to shoot as well as he does, well, that's why he's an MVP candidate, unfortunately. Uh, so for, for a guy like Bam, you need somebody else out there to be at least able to pick up a couple fouls, put a body, tag somebody as they're getting into the lane. Just make sure you can keep offenses honest. And, and look, you're going to continue to rely on a switch-heavy defense. I just I think that's what the principles for this team, given this personnel are, especially in the backcourt without Victor Oladipo. You kind of have to continue to switch to make up for the defensive lapses of guys like Kendrick and Goran and Tyler, etc., so, I, you know, can he get consistent playing time alongside Bam Adebayo? I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be the case moving forward. I, I look, 
Precious Achua didn't get any minutes against uh, alongside Bam, and, and and Precious didn't even play today. That's a a DNP CD for him and Nemanja Bjelica. So uh, Eric Spolstra changing things up. Like I, I feel like that Minnesota game was a, a wake up call for him too, and to be without Jimmy, unfortunately for him. Had, you know, put him in a position where he had to do things differently. Certainly did today. So one last shout out before moving on to the next segment. That's Andre Guadala getting the start in place of Jimmy Butler today. So uh, incredible to see Andre on the floor and some really solid overall play from him. 27 minutes, eight points. Not great shooting, but aggressive, looking to do everything he does. A good all-around game from a guy who you have to rely on more and more, unfortunately, but still looks I mean, look, it, it, the pendulum again swings with when it comes to Iguodala because there are moments where he looks 37 years old and there are moments where he looks, you know, 34-ish, let's say. Uh, today was one of those where he was a little bit more on the younger end of the spectrum. So good for him to have a, a big performance, having to step up. Unfortunately, he's probably going to have to duplicate it tomorrow. Look, well, you know what? I'll, I'll save my conversation about Precious Achua and Bielitsa for tomorrow. Uh, for I'm sorry, for uh, the next segment you're listening to Locked on Heat, but make sure you also go to rockauto.com. They've been sponsoring our show for a long time, and they just make your life so much easier. You know, instead of having to go to a chain storefront to order parts on a computer, you know, have somebody ask you questions and then look parts up and see whether or not they have them. Why go through all that? You got access to computers at home and on your phone. Go to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site, so easy to navigate. You'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts car available for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And just write locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, and mock drafts four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So a couple questions kind of tying into the same thing here, but uh, Yusef asks, why didn't Emanuel Bielitsa play? Good question. And a lot of it probably has to do with the second night of the back-to-back, -back, but moreover, I think it's the fact that Bielitsa... Well, he's just not very good. I don't think he was ever really a reliable option. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news yet again. I think he just hasn't found his place here. How about that? And, and rather than labeling things overly simplistically, and I'll, I'm guilty of that just as much as anybody else, maybe it's not that Bielitsa is bad because clearly he's one of the 450 best NBA players. No, one of the best 450 basketball players on the planet but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to get a lot of minutes in Eric Spolster's rotation. So you've got to find that way to do something. And with Spo, it's always at least showing effort defensively and in practice. And for a guy like Bielitsa, coming from a bad system in Sacramento or an even shakier system in Minnesota to some degree, well, maybe not even shakier, but also as shaky, he just... I don't think he understands what that entails. Like, you're hearing Richard Jefferson, a longtime veteran who played with a number of teams, say, you know, when it comes to teams like San Antonio and Miami, you got to want to be there. You have to want to be part of that quote-unquote culture. Like, there is just more and more evidence that Miami is going to do – I don't know if 
they're going to push you in a way that you might not necessarily be comfortable with. If you embrace it, you'll thrive. If you don't, you'll struggle. And you have to find your way on this team. You have to find your way to contribute. It comes with losing the weight, getting in great shape, practicing harder than you ever have before in a season when practice time is very, very limited. So you don't have a lot of opportunity to show Spolstra, you know, what you're willing to do. You got to put in the time, come in after practice, do more work on and on and on. And that's just something that guys like Bielitsa, who are comfortable as, you know, European shooters, basically, they don't necessarily want to come in there and do the gritty, dirty work. This isn't a knock on European players or on Bielitsa specifically, just... I'm speculating on what's missing there and why he's not getting the kind of favoritism from Eric Spolstra that, say, Dwayne Dedman gets right away. Uh, another question coming in, even as I'm recording this, is Edmund going to be the first big off the bench? That one comes in from uh, Brian, M. Brian, excuse me. Um, yeah, I think so. I can't see any reason why he wouldn't. You know, Precious is not getting any playing time. Bielitsa didn't get any playing time. I just don't know what's left on, on Miami's roster. You're not going to – look, Mo, Mo Wagner – is out there. He was waived by the Boston Celtics, who inexplicably added Jabari Parker to their roster, not a position of need, and they wound up waiving Wagner. So, uh, you know, considering his ties to Duncan Robinson as former Michigan teammates, I think it's a nice addition. I don't know what you'd have to do in order to clear that space up. Like, he's, you sign him because you can as a developmental project, not because he's going to be part of the playoff rotation if you even make the postseason, which seems to be a likelihood for Miami, if not necessarily a guarantee. And so you, you get the guy in there so he can taste that culture a little early on, see what it takes, see what if uh, he's willing to do the work to come here. I think it's a nice addition. He can stretch the floor. He can bang a little bit in the you know in the low post. He can grab rebounds. Not the most dominating physical presence, but a guy who can play. He's been around with a number of teams. He's just never quite stood out. Limited athleticism. That seems like Miami's calling card, right? I mean, if you've got limited skills and you want to find a way to maximize them, what's the great equalizer? Work. And what team makes you work harder than Miami? So that's, uh, that's I think, an addition that Miami might explore. So I've talked about that for a couple of days. As soon as he got waived, I said, you know what? This is a guy who makes a lot of sense for Miami to add. Again, that Robinson tie is a strong one. I think they share... No, they don't share the same agent. Wagner is represented by um, Mark Barlstein of Priority Sports, not uh, Jason Glushon of Glushon uh, Sports. So anyway, uh, as far as what uh, Bielitsa and Precious provide, not much in comparison to Deadman. I think Deadman's a much more polished overall player. He just, I think Alf, uh, uh, Alphonse Sidney, of Miami Heat beat said something that makes a lot of sense. He's like, you know, he just goes out there. He's tall. He bigs. He pulls down boards. He gives effort. Sometimes you don't have to overthink things. And, and that might be right. Like, you're not asking him to do a lot. He fits his role. He's doing it well. I think he's a better option than Bielitsa or Precious at this point. Precious just, you know, hemorrhaging too many points when he's on the floor. Not polished offensively. Not tall enough to pull down those rebounds. As great an athlete as he is, as good as a, a hop and step as he has, I just... You know, sometimes you just need those extra six to seven inches to be able to keep somebody off the boards. And Deadman has them. So, you know, congratulations to him for being born tall. Uh, Dakota writes in, why is Hero in over none? Uh, he's referencing why Tyler Hero was in towards the end of the game. Kendrick Dunn having had, I think, overall a better overall game than Tyler did. And yet inexplicably not uh, out on the floor towards the end there. Uh, it wasn't because of foul trouble. Uh, Ken only had picked up one foul in the game. Uh, Tyler hadn't picked up any, but overall, I, I think Kendrick, again, like I said, had a better game 
offensively, almost in every other aspect. Maybe he wasn't sharing the ball as much, but he did finish with three assists versus six for Tyler. I just, ah, I mean, where do I go with this? Like, I think Spo has always spoken glowingly about Kendrick Nunn, but there's something about the trust that he gave Tyler as a rookie last season that I think has, you know, that he'll continue to go to. I really feel like he trusts Tyler in those moments, the way he talked about him last year, in a way that he could not talk about Kendrick because Kendrick wasn't getting those opportunities. But just saying, you know, that we've got guys that are built different that want the ball in their hands. We've got a few guys on his roster. At that time, he was talking about Tyler. He was talking about Jimmy. He was talking about Deion Waiters too. But he was, you know, referencing Tyler's ability to step up and come up big in clutch situations, something he did frequently last year. And while that has not been the case this season, I just think that Spo tends to go with his gut instinct and, and something that's been long established as opposed to just the game-to-game changes or fluctuations that m- most of you are much more sensitive to. Has Tyler been ass over the last few games? Uh, you know, I-, I think a lot of people would think so. Uh, he has not played particularly well. Uh, actually, he's been downright bad on occasion. And yet, you know, Eric Spolster going with that guy, he, he trusts. Maybe it's just a matter of, like, you have to go to him to show that you still have faith in his ability to play. Like, to, to pull him out, to embarrass him, to, to show him up a little bit, just changes things in a way you don't necessarily want to. And if that's the case, you're trying to build something, not take it away. Uh, look, Heatles for Life writes in something similar. Is Tyler broken? I don't think he is. I don't think he's hurt. I think he's just in and off the season. Like, it's been a tough one for him, and I think there's things going on probably off the court as well. I don't have any confirmation of this, so I won't confirm or deny, but, we're you know, something I've talked about a lot over the last month or two, it's like, consider that he took a big leap or at least was able to take a developmental leap during the hiatus from March to August when the, the NBA season resumed last year. He did not have that opportunity, you know, eliminated in October by the Lakers and then back in camp in November and then, you know, started the season mid-December. Not a lot of time there, uh, you know. So I, I don't know that there's anything broken to him. My feeling is that he's still going to find ways to contribute. He's going to have to. You don't have any other options. You're, 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 you know, if, if Oladipo doesn't play, well, hell, Miami's chances are screwed. But if Oladipo plays, you're basically allotting minutes to Nunn, Hero, and Dragic. And of those three, you know, Spo is going to go with Hero and Dragic more often than not. So it's up to everybody to find a way to step up. Maybe that's a lot of pressure. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's something that's eating away at Kendrick and and also at Tyler. You know, I I, I think with Goron, it's almost certainly a hundred percent age related. Um, you know, and having to reprove himself or retry to find a way to to continue to make an impact. It's harder and harder at his age, without a doubt. But overall, I'd say for the younger guys, there's probably a lot more pressure now that they've acquired your third big star and and makes it pretty obvious that uh, maybe you don't have the same kind of long-term role on this team that you might once have thought possible. But, uh, you know, that's that's something we'll have to think about in another time. Again, on Monday, Miami takes on the Houston Rockets. I'll have a recap for you after that game. Uh, Make sure to stay tuned. And also, of course, if you have not, Follow this podcast. Make sure to do so and leave a review. I do always listen to and read those reviews. Sorry, I don't listen to them. I read them. Uh, and I appreciate when you send in kind of feedback. And you can always reach me via email, direct message via, via Twitter. Uh, you can always, always send a comment using the hashtag AskLoHeat, as many of you did for today's show. Um, special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting the show. And again, special thanks to all of you. I'm David Ramil signing off for now. <laughs>